From the Florida Bar Studios in Tallahassee, this is Florida Bar News Briefs. I'm your host, Mark Killian. A Supreme Court panel on Friday voted unanimously to recommend not consolidating any of Florida's 20 judicial circuits. Jim Ash has more. That's right, Mark. The Judicial Circuit Assessment Committee's 14-0 vote included 4th District Court of Appeal Judge Jonathan Gerber, the committee chair. Immediately after the vote, Gerber pronounced the effort a healthy exercise for the courts and for good government. The decision followed months of meetings, two well-attended public hearings, and surveys that generated more than 7,000 responses, almost all of them opposed to consolidation. The survey responses were dominated by Monroe County residents who opposed merging their 16th circuit with Miami-Dade's 11th. Committee member Carlos Martinez, a veteran public defender, spoke against a proposal by a handful of judicial stakeholders to do just that. Martinez cited a lack of evidence that the merger would improve court operations. He says not a single judge came to him saying it would be a good idea for improving court efficiency. Committee members spent much of the day matching survey results for each circuit with criteria from Rule 2.241, which governs the review process. The survey suggested a need for more, quote, uniformity slash consistency and suggested that some circuits experience higher case closure rates than others or have better success recruiting and retaining personnel. However, the surveys also concluded that measures have already been taken to address the challenges, that clearance rates are trending upward, and that consolidation would not be a solution. 15th Circuit Chief Judge Glenn Kelly noted that the legislature last session approved $21.8 million that the courts requested for technology positions and salary enhancements for court reporters, interpreters, staff attorneys, and case managers. Kelly says the so-called critical due process resources had a quick and dramatic impact on his circuit's ability to fill key positions, and that's paying off in significant ways. Committee members stressed that they weren't opposed to reforms and that the review was very worthwhile. The committee meets again in two weeks to consider a final draft of a report that is due to the Supreme Court by December 1. The first Judicial Circuit's investigation into its October 2nd security breach is ongoing. Trial Court Administrator Casey Watson says the circuit is strengthening its policies, practice, and technology to protect against future attacks. While the impacted information varies based on the individual and the relationship with the circuit, Watson acknowledges names, social security and taxpayer identification numbers, dates of birth, and driver's license information were among the data breached. The clerks of court in the Panhandle counties of Escambia, Santa Rosa, Okaloosa, and Walton maintain official court records in a separate system and at this point have not been impacted by the security breach. The First Circuit is notifying impacted entities and individuals, encouraging them to remain vigilant against incidents of identity theft by reviewing personal accounts and credit histories for unusual activity and promptly reporting any suspicious activity. The co-chair of the Florida Bar's Cybersecurity Committee is applauding a new agreement by the United States and foreign allies not to pay ransom to cyber criminals. Tell us about it, Jim. Well, Mark, the White House announced last week that 40 countries in a U.S.-led alliance will sign the International Counter-Ransomware Initiative. 
They pledged never to pay ransom to cyber criminals and to cooperate in efforts to eliminate funding for cybercrime networks. Cybersecurity and Privacy Law Committee co-chair Stephen Tepler thinks it's a great idea, saying when you pay criminals, you're adding to the threat to public safety. But Tepler warned there are no easy answers for a Florida lawyer who may be facing a cyber ransom demand. There is no law against it per se, but he notes that the FBI recommends not paying ransom and that paying ransom could violate economic sanctions enforced by the U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Asset Control. Tepler says, quote, there are no absolute recommendations other than don't break the law. Federal figures show that the U.S. is by far the biggest target, suffering 46% of all ransomware attacks. Tepler and other experts warn that lawyers, especially sole practitioners and small firms without separate IT departments, are prime targets because they manage such sensitive data. And the experts warn that gone are the days when a ransomware attack merely involves a hacker infecting an IT system and demanding payment to restore access. These days, Tepler says, by the time a lawyer receives a ransom demand, an initial access broker has already exfiltrated or mined the data for sale and resale on the dark web. There could be a lot of data to mine. Experts say some malware can lurk in an IT system for months or even years before it's detected. Tepler calls the hackers who come in later and make a ransom demand, quote, bottom feeders. President Scott Westheimer formed the committee this summer, saying he wanted it to be a panel of experts who can serve as a resource for Florida Bar members. It will work jointly with the Board Technology Committee and others to develop firm or attorney-appropriate best practices, among other things. At the last committee meeting, it agreed to explore the potential for an early warning system to alert bar members to emerging cyber threats. Meanwhile, his advice for lawyers remains the same. Implement a robust backup system, train employees, and create and practice an incident response plan. The Family Law Section in the Office of the State Courts Administrator have partnered to present a series, Trauma-Informed Courts Workshops, that will take place in 11 districts throughout the state. The purpose is to create a partnership between local courts, practitioners, and therapeutic and local resources to develop trauma-informed family courts in each circuit. Family Law Section Chair Sarah Kay says the alliance was formed to educate judges and magistrates who hear domestic relations cases, family law attorneys, and court staff about the importance of understanding how trauma affects so many family law-related cases. The day-long interactive workshops will address the impact of toxic stress, adverse childhood experience, resiliency, self-care technology, and guiding principles for family courts. The first workshop will be held November 16th at the Duval County Courthouse in Jacksonville. To register and find a workshop near you, visit familylawfla.org. For more on these and other stories of interest to the profession, visit floridabar.org slash news. Florida Bar News Briefs is a production of the Journal and News Department. For Jim Ash and our producer, Clay Shaw, behind the glass, I'm Mark Killian. (laughs) 